Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm one of your hosts, Jackie. I'm here with my co-host and good friend, Rahul. And today we're joined with a very special guest, Jorge Gonzalez from Top Bin 90. Jorge, welcome to the podcast. You're here to discuss all things with Chelsea and Charlotte FC. How's it going? I'm great. I'm very excited to be on. Thank you guys for inviting me on. No, look, we're super excited because as you know, and hopefully some of our listeners know, we're playing Charlotte FC here in just a couple of weeks. And so this is an opportunity for you to let us know a little more about the opponents that we're facing. Of course, it's a friendly, but it's an exciting time. So before we get into all of that, why don't you tell us about Top Bin 90, your decision to start it, anything you want to share? Yeah, so I started Top Bin 90 roughly about two years ago. You know, it started off, I've always loved soccer football as they call it in England right? <laughs> you know and so I've always watched uh I gotta let you guys know I'm a huge Liverpool fan oh uh, no <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up as a as a Liverpool fan you know watching the Rafa Benita Spanish Liverpool yeah. since then you know and I grew up also a big Barcelona fan so I've always supported those two teams and, uh, you know, when I heard that Charlotte was getting a team here, you know, one of the things that we decided to focus on with Top Bid 90 was covering the team. Right. And it's done really well for us since we're local. You know, we've made a lot of connections and um, we're one of the biggest platforms in terms of getting news for Charlotte FC here. We do fan camps. We have our own uh, website where we write articles. You know, we interview players. So we do the whole nine here. We try to cover the team as extensively as we can. I right. want to continue to grow that and eventually get into the MLS as a whole. Well, that's certainly exciting. And I think what better way to start than with your local team, because you are there. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you go to every home game at this point? Yes, I've been to every home game, a good amount of away games. But awesome. yeah, every home game that we've had, I've been there. Well, that's super exciting. Rahul, I'm going to bring you in to have a quick discussion. Anything you'd like to bring in? Yeah, I just wanted to cover uh, Charlotte FC and some facts about them. So uh, the 28th expansion team in the MLS plays at the Bank of America Stadium, which they share with the Panthers, actually have the same owners too. So uh, that definitely helps They hold the attendance record for a standalone match at 74,479. And Jorge, I'll bring you in on this. I think you were one of those, but there were many others there. And, and we saw the pictures and the videos online, but what can you share from, from that day and that night and, and just the total atmosphere? Listen, man, that night was one of the most absolute mystical nights I will ever experience as a soccer fan. First of all, our team got pushed back a year, right? So we had to wait an extra year. But to be honest with you, man, being there, uh, experiencing what we've experienced was all worth it. I mean, we broke the MLS attendance record, yeah. taking that away from Atlanta, just seeing, just looking around the crowd, seeing how excited it was for Charlotte, North Carolina to hold, I think that weekend, the biggest game in world football was just something out of this world. You know, and one of the coolest things that happened that night was the person singing the national anthem, their mic cut off <laughs> and the crowd just picked up the anthem and just continued to sing it. And I swear to you, chills went around everybody around me. And it was one of the most magical nights ever. We finally got to see our team play at home, cheer it on. And you could tell 
we were it was a really big bang to the MLS that Charlotte, North Carolina is a soccer city in the United States. Absolutely. I, I remember seeing the videos like you were saying of, of the, the fans singing the anthem and uh, it gave me the chills hearing you right now gave me the chills. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to being in the stadium and uh, obviously sharing the, the, the pitch and the stadium with Charlotte fans, but also Chelsea fans. I think it'll be something magical. Um, let's talk about uh, the Spanish manager that was initially hired, uh, Miguel Angel Ramirez, first head team coach that had come in. Unfortunately, he was fired on May 31st of this year uh, as the team were sitting eighth in the table. What did you make of the firing? I think I'd seen on, on your social media, you were a little bit surprised. Uh, mm-hmm. And as Chelsea fans, we know with the hiring and firing, but uh, <laughs> share your thoughts on it and was it justified? Yeah, so listen, uh, just a little background on Miguel. He came in, um, one of the things that the Charlotte office always mentioned Uh, ever since the get-go of starting the team, is they wanted to play possession-based attacking football. And he was the manager to do that, you know. He had a very successful stint in Ecuador with a very small team taking them to win the equivalent of an Europa League, right? So think of a very small team somewhere in a small country in, in Europe and they winning the Europa League. He did that with Independiente del Valle in Ecuador, right? So he came in with knowing how to do more with less, you know, but from the get-go, he went viral with a statement he made to me when I asked him about the makeup of the squad. He said, we still have to get some work done, but right now we're screwed, you know? So that went viral. You know, the whole MLS took, took that and said, well, if Charlotte FC's coach is saying that they're screwed, there's definitely clearly something wrong with what the front office and the roster build is doing. So there was friction between the front office and Miguel Angel Ramirez from the get-go, right? And so it came, when he got fired, it came as a shock to us because the team, based on what Miguel was saying, was overperforming. When he got fired, I believe we were sitting two points off of a playoff spot, right? So we're like, okay, we're, we're a competitive team. We play decent football, right? Why are you guys letting, getting rid of the coach, right? And initially it was a, sh- a shock, but then when you start talking to people inside the, inside the team, outside of the team, players, you know, and my assumption now based on all the conversations I've had was first he lost the front office because of the constant jabs of them not building the squad he wanted, you know, and secondly, he lost key players in the locker room. It's one thing when you have a, Uh, a disagreement between you and the front office because you can make the players feel like it's us versus them, right? But when you lose key figures in that locker room and you also lose the front office, your days are numbered as a coach. And that's what happened with Miguel. His days were numbered as a coach. Uh, The week after his firing, Christian Fuchs came on, on a press conference and said, you know what? Having Miguel as a manager was very difficult. Anytime we had an idea or we wanted to discuss issues, he would shut the door for us. He came on live to talk to the press and share this information. A Premier League winner, Christian Fuchs, a leader, right, in this squad based off all his experience. For him to come tell us this lets you know, okay, that decision, I think, in the long run of things is definitely going to benefit the club. Because you know what? I don't think Miguel is a bad manager. 
But at the end of the day, when you don't have the support of your team and you have the support of the off the front office, there's really not much you can do. Yeah, and yeah. one thing I'd like to add to that, I think it's it's important to note football or, or soccer overall has changed in the last few years. And I, and I know you're you're following European football for a long time. We used to have your typical football managers, which controlled everything. Right. As football has progressed now. You have first team coaches, and then you've got your front offices and your back offices right. and stuff right. like that. Yeah. And I love the point you said that he's he's a great manager or a great coach because he does have the idea of building a team or what the skill set should look like. However, if he can't play nice with all the parties that are going on in and around Charlotte, it's not going to work out for a very long time there. 100%. Yeah. And, and we've seen it firsthand, Jackie. It's been, I can't even, there's countless managers <laughs> that came in and, and had issues with, with the board, with Roman, and uh, eventually they were moved on. But uh, what I did pick up on, as you were saying, Jorge, was the Christian Fuchs point, which a, a lot of the times as fans, we want to hear from the players. And, and in most cases, they're protected or they're uh, not allowed to say what they want, which was refreshing to hear Fuchs come out and, and say it and, and kind of help the fans see that the issue wasn't all just with the front office, with the players. It was a collective effort. Um, I'll come back to Fuchs, but moving, just staying on the manager. So. Christian Latanzio, uh, please correct me if I got that wrong, is named interim manager. He's been in charge for about a month or a little bit over now. Um, how has that gone and, and how did it feel to get the first away win against Houston, Jackie's team, uh, just a couple of days ago? <laughs> yeah, listen, I mean, obviously, ha finally getting that monkey off of Charlotte's back of winning away was spectacular. I mean, we did it in the most expansion way ever. I mean, I think there was three 1v1 situations that our players missed. Game should have ended 5-0. We won it 2-1, holding on to dear life, right? <laughs> but they got over the line, right? Which was what was, was That's what, what matters, was, yeah. Right? And so I think under Christian Latanzio, uh, one of the things that I mentioned when Miguel was let go is, We'll see in the in these next couple of games if the team was performing because of Miguel or in spite of Miguel, right? Because there's the two camps, the camps from Miguel that said, you know what, like, hey, I need more. And there was the camp of the roster, the front office is like, yo, we know you don't have the number one team in MLS, but you have a competitive team, right? And under these five games, I think we've seen that, you know, we've uh, uh, had three out, of, three out of those five games have been away. We've picked up four out of nine points there. You know, two wins, two losses, one draw. I mean, it's respectable, right, for an expansion team to still be within those playoffs reach. And the team has improved. Defensively, we looked more compact. Um, it's a team that's, uh, I think, also in offense, we've improved as well. You know, the team looks a little bit more freer in that final third. We still lack a lot of chance creation which I mean, uh, one of the biggest criticisms that we have that we need in this squad is a proper attacking midfielder, right? But I can't blame the coach for that right now. But I can say that there has been an improvement under Latanzio. Uh, Christian Latanzio, a guy who also has a lot of MLS experience, you know, he was part of uh, New York City FC uh, when he was uh, assistant coach to Patrick Vieira, who's now at Crystal Palace. You know, he's got experience at Nice. So he's a good coach and he's proving it so far. 
Corey, I have a question for you, Beth, and I think you've answered it a little bit, but given that you guys waited so long and this is an inaugural season, what was the expectation of not just you, but the Charlotte FC fan base of where you should perform? Were you guys expecting playoffs or are you happy with, let's just try and see what we can do here, put a style, put a foundation down, and then obviously build from there. Now, it doesn't help that you've had changes with management and all that, but what was the initial expectation and how do you feel like you've matched up so far as a club? Listen, that initial expectation was a roller coaster based on <laughs> who was talking, right? <laughs> as the roster build was being uh, built, I'll give you my perspective. I'll give you a yeah. couple of different. Mine's was based on what I saw, this team could end anywhere from seventh to 10th. In the Eastern Conference and MLS, one through seven make playoffs. So I was like, this is a team that can compete for a playoff or it could barely miss out on it. And we're seeing it right now. We're sitting eighth, you know? Yeah. So we're right there, right? The ex-president of the club came out and said, hey, one of our goals is to average 30,000 in attendance, which we're doing, yeah. you know, break MLS record of attendance, which we did. And he said, we want to host a playoff game. Okay, if you're going to host a playoff game in MLS, you have to finish in within the top four teams in your conference. So you're giving the perspective to the fans. Okay, we should expect to be in the right. top four. I'm looking at the squad. I'm like, this is a seventh to 10th squad, right? right? You can say that, right? But we're looking at the makeup of the squad. A week later, the manager says we're screwed. <laughs> so that changes everybody's perception where you're like, okay, then everyone's predicting us to finish dead last. I... I wanted to believe 7 to 10th. In my mind, I'm like, well, this guy works with the players in day in and day out. He knows more than I do, you know right. what I'm saying? So I think that perception shift to the beginning of the season for every fan was like, let's try to compete and see what, what happens. And that's exactly what's happened. And I think my very first prediction of being between a 7th to 10th team is exactly what this team is doing right now. And so the beautiful thing about the MLS, it's a league that's, it's, it's a parody league, I like to say, where anyone can beat anybody, you know, right. obviously you have teams that invest and have great players, but at the end of the day, one of the great things that Charlotte has done is we have built more of a fortress at home and it, we're very, very difficult to beat at home. Yeah, very exciting. Rahul, I'll pass it back to you. I know you want to talk about Christian Fuchs for a minute here. I do. I, so you brought him up a second ago or a couple of minutes ago, Jorge. Christian Fuchs, we know, we've seen him win the Premier League, but Leicester, um, I even named one of my fantasy teams after him. I'm not going to say it on air. It might come <laughs> off as, as swearing. Um, but what? how has he come in terms of his experience, his knowledge, his uh, leadership? How has he brought that to the team? And has he had the impact that was expected? Listen, I think he's impacted more than I my expectations you know I thought honestly I thought Christian Fuchs at 35 36 was going to be a squad player that was there for leadership every time he's been on the field he's been a player that um, I want to say one of our top five top six players he's played the center back position a lot and just recently was switched back to that left back position which he's more known for you know and so he's a guy that is very very respected within the squad um, a leader inside and out of the squad. And most importantly, he's performed in most games. Obviously, he doesn't have the pace anymore. So 
We've seen scenarios where, you know, you get a young 22-year-old attacking winger that can dust him, right? But I think his experience and he's still playing at a high level um, has brought a lot to this team, you know? And uh, every, a lot of the players look up to him. And even like I said, the scenario with Miguel, he was the first one to come talk about what happened and, you know, kind of take the bullet for the team. And that's something that I think you need, especially in a new squad of 30 players that have never played together before. This guy is a champion. This guy's an FA Cup winner, a Premier League winner, a captain for Austria. He's going to come in there and, and actually tell these guys, okay, this is what we're building here. And I'm adding to that, right? And I also love that he's one of the first guys that's going to be in the front lines working hard, right? Because I think the best example of leadership is you being the example, not just telling people what to do. Yeah, look, Christian Fuchs is honestly a great signing that you guys were able to bring into Charlotte. But And I want to talk about signings in general now. And I don't mean any disrespect to any MLS team, but MLS is pretty young. And from what I've seen over the last few years, a lot of the major European players, at least the ones that have had monstrous success, Christian Fuchs is obviously one of them, but... A lot of them flock to the so-called bigger cities or the prettier cities, whatever you want to call it. Your LA's, your LAFC, Gareth Bale coming in now, yeah. LA Galaxy, the New York City FC, who signed a plethora of amazing talent that came from Europe. What? And of course, I, I remember we watched Chicago Fire with Bastian Schweinsteiger coming out to Chicago. So what can some of these other MLS teams do? And, and maybe you can speak from the perspective of Charlotte, but to attract some of these European players who... Let's be honest, some of them are coming for their last big paycheck, but also where the, the league, they can try and do something and bring the profile of the MLS higher. What can you do to attract them to different cities? Because there's a lot Charlotte has to offer. There's a lot Houston has to offer. There's a yeah. lot that different cities like Seattle and all have to offer. How do you attract these players back, back to these cities? Listen, I think the reality is your Gareth Bales, your Ronaldo's, your Messi's yep. players at that uh, top tier level won't come to a city like Charlotte. They're going to head to Miami. They're going to head right. to LA. They're going to head to New York, right? But I do think there's a second level of player, a 25, 26-year-old really good player that, you know, has an opportunity to play for a mid-table team in Italy or a mid-table team there, in yeah. Spain that would be enticed to come to the MLS produce here because I think the MLS is offering a structure where, you know, whether you like it or not, it's not going to be as intense. Like the fans aren't going to rip you the way they will in Europe, <laughs> right? That's one thing. Also, Amer uh, the lifestyle of living in America. Sure. I mean, if you look at it, one of our signings is 26-year-old Karol Swiderski. He is a Polish international, plays with Lo Robert Lewandowski. And one of the main things that he mentioned, he had offers from Italy, but decided to come to play in Charlotte. Why? <laughs> He got a DP contract, right? So he's one of the best players on the team. He's living a great lifestyle here in America. And he's he's coming into a league that's becoming more and more competitive. Yes, you know, yes. I think the perception from the outside is still that MLS is a retirement league. But I think in the next five to 10 years, we're going to continue to shift that because one of the things that this league is trying to do is bring in more young talent and get those 25, 26-year-old players that, hey, maybe they're not going to play at a Real Madrid, a Barcelona, a Chelsea, but they could go to a decent team in Italy or a decent team in England or a decent team somewhere in a top five league, but would rather come here, be the star, 
and help grow the league. I think that's what other cities outside of New York, LA, and um, Miami can offer. And it also makes the league more and more competitive as well. Because the reality is we don't know what Gareth Bale is going to do at LAFC, right? We've had players that have come in here. I mean, Steven Gerrard, one of my favorite players of all time, didn't do anything with LA Galaxy. <laughs> it's just the reality, right? Yep. And, and I want to go back to a point you said before I pass it back to Rahul. I think I've followed the Houston Dynamo for a few years now. I've been to a couple of games and you said that the league will improve year over year. And, and I have to echo that because I've been to a game five or six years ago where it was tough to watch because it's a little bit slower, a little bit hands off. Yeah. And I've been to a game as recently as a month ago, and it was fast paced. It was physical. It was moving, tackling, you know, pushing in that that energy and excitement that you've come to expect from your Liverpools and your Barcelonas. And of course, I don't want to disrespect Liverpool and Barcelona because they've been doing that 100 years. But the MLS every year, every time is getting better and better and better. So I, I'd like to echo what you're saying, Rahul. I'll bring you in to talk about maybe Charlotte and Chelsea. Yeah, so let's talk about our game coming up on the 20th. Uh, Jorge, Jackie and I will be there. So we we look forward to meeting you and, and maybe doing something for your uh, channel. But for our game, what's the, what's the mood out there? What's the feeling? Out, uh, how is everyone looking forward to this game? Listen, it's uh, a lot of people are very, very excited to have Chelsea here. One of the main reasons, I mean, this is a top European team coming to Charlotte. It helps with exposure for the club. Right. I mean, that's one of the reasons I believe the club accepted this. Right. Because it's in the middle of our season. Right. <laughs> to play a game for you guys. You're, you're good right now. You know, like uh, it's summertime, you know, try out new players for us. We're right in the smack that middle of the season. But I think there's a lot of excitement. There's a big Chelsea fan base here in Charlotte. So they're excited to see Chelsea. I think it's good for Charlotte to play teams like Chelsea, you know, to kind of compete and see what we can actually do, you know. Obviously, I, I don't expect, you know, Chelsea to come here and put a starting 11 that's just going to rip Charlotte apart. <laughs> but I do expect to see, you know, a good quality game. And it's only going to help with the growth of soccer football here in the Carolinas, which is something that we want to continue to see echo. Yeah, I think that's the best way to describe it is while you guys are in the thick of the season, everything going on, accepting a game like Chelsea coming in is only going to increase the fan base. And 100%. you've got people in Charlotte that maybe, and I'm not sure because you guys broke the record of attendance, but you've got people in Charlotte that may be on the fence that may say, do I want to become a season ticket holder? Do I want to come to games? And just having other teams and different perspectives come in may push them over the finish line. And I think that's incredibly exciting. From, from a perspective of the day of the match or leading up to the match, what's Charlotte FC doing to promote it? Are there any activities? Are there any like events going on around the stadium? Yeah, typically there is. Um, I'm not too certain on the specifics right now, but I'd imagine it'd be like a couple of years before uh, where Chelsea, Chelsea has come here, I believe, where Liverpool has come, where, you know, Arsenal have come and there's like, pre-match festivities outside of the stadium there's a park really close oh, yeah. and then um i'm not sure how familiar you guys are with tailgating yeah you know, it's <laughs> like a, of american tradition you know where like you hang out you grill you cook before the game then you head to the game that's something that we've adopted and it's something that like we all enjoy to do right before games so there's definitely going to be an atmosphere 
Um, the only the only downside to the game is it's right in the middle of the week. Right. So, you know, like in terms of uh, before when we hosted games like this would be on a Saturday and a Sunday where like it can feel like a whole day experience. Sure. In my opinion, it's going to be more like half a day of an experience because people are still working their jobs. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. I'm going to pass it back to Rahul. Rahul, I want to talk a little bit about the Premier League with Jorge here in a second, but I'll pass it back to you for just a minute to wrap up the Charlotte side. Yeah, I, I, I was just reading up in some, of our, uh, some of the Chelsea events that are planned. So uh, Jorge, may, you may not be aware of it and some of the listeners not, may not be aware of it. So on Tuesday, there's a uh, Chelsea event at Rira uh, in Charlotte, which will be, I think, with Robbie Di Matteo, a club legend for Chelsea. Uh, and then there is also an evening event that's supposed to be happening. And then on Wednesday before the game, like you were saying, Jorge, it's going to be like a half-day event. Uh, there's an event at 3 p.m. again at Rira, and then the game, I think, starts at 8 p.m. So there's people going to be walking from the bar and, and tailgating, and all of that will be happening, and we will be there too. So uh, we're looking forward to it. I know Jackie has planned some Liverpool. We didn't know it was Liverpool, but Premier League questions for you, Jorge. So I'll, I'll pass it back over to him. Yeah, no, it's just general conversation because I think we've enjoyed the conversation around Charlotte FC. And so I want to talk, talk about a little more about your background. So what brought you into supporting Liverpool? What brought you into supporting uh, Barcelona? I know you said one of your all-time favorite players was Steven Gerrard. What can you share about that? Yeah, man, when I was first getting into soccer, uh, football, one of the things, I mean, I grew up, like, I'm from Honduras. In Honduras, it's pretty much, if you support a team outside of Honduras, you're either a Real Madrid or a Barcelona. <laughs> <fan>. <laughs> yeah. That's, like, the reality of it. And you know what, like, it was kind of like a decision of, like, okay, I started watching and I saw Deco, I saw Ronaldinho, yeah. I saw it, so I was like, okay, I like this. You know, I like what Ronaldinho brings. I became a Barcelona fan. Then, I want to say very soon after there was a game between Real Madrid and Liverpool in the Champions League and they called Liverpool the Spanish Liverpool because they had Rafa Benitez, they had Torres, they had Mascherano, they had uh, Xavi Alonso and they completely ripped apart uh, Real Madrid in at Anfield. You know, Torres scores. He runs, like lifts his shirt, and you know it says towards on the back. I was like, "Yo, this is my English team," and we did well that season. After that, it went to crap. <laughs> you know, we sold Torres to Chelsea. You know, the whole rebuild. You know, uh, Fenway Sports Group took over. Yeah, but you know, it's kind of like you guys. Whether we have a great season or not, you're gonna support your team no matter what, right? And so it was a lot of painful years to finally get. Uh, to where we are now to see actually Liverpool competing for titles. Listen, I love the passion that you're sharing with me about these clubs, especially the history and some of the moments Rahul and I have lived with regards to Liverpool and that Torres transfer. I don't think we'll ever live that one down. But I want to ask you a question going into next season. Where does Liverpool rank? Where do they finish? Where does Barcelona rank? Where do they finish? There's a lot of changes going on at Barcelona as well. What are your thoughts on those two? Yeah, well, listen, I think... And I even said this at the beginning of the year when Chelsea made all their moves, where Man, when Man United made all their moves, I was like, at the end of the day, it's going to be Liverpool and Man City because they've been there and they've done that. They've both won the Premier League with a high amount of points. They understand the league. They understand rotating the squad. They understand, I think, Man City has built a very good team and has a secondary team as well now, right? I think the same thing for Liverpool. Liverpool have just done it in a different way 
where Klopp has actually built players, right? You know, and so, and you saw it this season, man. Nobody, although Liverpool only won two titles, no one's ever going to get as close as we did again, unless they win all four, because we yeah. went till the very end, right? So unless you win all four, then you can say that you got closer than Liverpool, in my opinion. And I think it'll, it'll be the same thing this year. I think at the end of the season, we'll look back and it'll be Chelsea, uh, not Chelsea, it'll be Man City, and it'll you, be you Liverpool. Can say Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, man. You guys are getting linked with Ronaldo. You're getting linked with Neymar. So it'll be interesting. That's all we get is links. <laughs> yeah. And then for the Barcelona, the Barcelona side, man, it's very, very interesting what's happening yeah. there. I mean, they, they finally announced Christensen. Um, he has it from AC Milan. You know, I think Xavi has done a really great job with this squad. Um, it's a young squad. That's that's the thing that frustrates me the most. If if Barcelona did not have all the financial issues that they would have, we'd have a great mix of experienced players. We probably still have Messi and a couple of top top players that can intertwine with a Gavi, with a Pedri, with a Ansu Fati. Yep. You know, and we would we would be competing at the highest level. I think Barcelona next year will be competitive. Uh, just seeing what Madrid has done in the past, I think it'll be difficult. But I think at the end of the day, they'll fight for the title this year. Right. I hope we win it. But the only thing I'm confident is that under Xavi, we're going to be competitive. Right. No, great analysis there. I think that's fair. And it's always exciting with these clubs going towards the end of the season. Rahul and I always you know, hoping that it's going to be a very tight competition, except when it's, of course, with Chelsea going to win the league. But no, it's always exciting towards the end. I only have one more question before I pass it back to Rahul to take us home. I want to talk a little bit about tailgating. So are you hosting, is Top Bin 90 hosting a tailgate on Wednesday? I won't be hosting a tailgate, but I will be, I'll definitely let you guys know there's a couple of different supporters groups that do. Excellent. You're welcome yeah. to come by. I like to be with my mic interviewing people, you know, like getting the sense of what's going on with the crowd. So, and then I go over and eat all the food from the, all the people. <laughs> <I love you. laughs> exciting, ex excellent and exciting. I think that's going to be a wonderful way. Rahul, I'll pass it over to you to take it home. I have one, one final question for you, Jorge. I've seen your videos and it goes top bin 90 plus 45 minus 45 times 25. What, what's, what's going on there? I don't know why I just started doing it one time and people loved it. So the point of it is to, you know, say top bin and make a math equation till the end, till uh, <laughs> it comes to 90. So like, I'll be like top bin 89 plus two minus one, which, you know, 89 plus two is 91 subtract the one is 90, but people absolutely love it. Like I even get people to come up to me like, yo, every time you do it, I do the math to make sure you're right. <laughs> I'm like, awesome, bro. Hold me accountable. You know, <laughs> that's one of the things too. What I love about top bin 90. Yeah. We have a lot of uh, information and we want to be an outlet for information, but I think the new age of media should also have, you know, some, some sort of entertainment. So we want to mix it up a little bit. You know, we want to give you the information, but we also want to entertain our followers, our listeners, people that look for, look at my platforms, I want them to say, yeah, I get information, but following Top B90 and all the things they do is so much fun. It absolutely is. It I, I earlier today was talking to myself and I'm like, is it Top B9045 plus 20? Well, I was like making up equations too for you. 
but no, it definitely sticks with you, and I and I, I appreciate it and I enjoy it. Uh, and then thanks for joining us today. I know it's a little bit later here on the East Coast, so uh, we appreciate you staying up, and we look forward to meeting you in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll both be down on the 19th and obviously there for the game on the 20th. Uh, but that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us it's at the Premier Chels on Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter, it's at Premier Chels. And you can also follow Jorge. Uh, it's www.topbin90.com and his Instagram is topbin90 as well. Uh, so definitely drop him a follow and there's fun content, not just for the Chelsea game, but in Charlotte, uh, for Charlotte in general. Uh, but we will be back with a new episode, but until then, stay safe and up to Chelsea. Hey guys, the Premier Chelsea is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home, so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.